cool. So just like some context, uh, we've been on a vein for about three, four weeks, and it's been a mixture of worshiping God, seeking after God, prayer, giving praise to Him. And so we sort of be, have been meandering through this pathway. So we on that still. So let's see what the Lord does with us today. Why don't you go for it? Okay, so I'm going to have to go fast because I've got about a 20-minute preach I'm going to do in five minutes. <laughs> so I'll watch the time. So if I talk fast, then just I hope just push like slow down. But uh, let's pray quickly. Let's take up one of my minutes with prayer. Father, come and have your way. With us in this place, Lord God, all we want to do is what you want to do, God. We want to be people sold out for you, God, and follow your word and your ways with everything that we can, God. Help us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm sharing about, a bit about prayer. And when God asked me, the first thing that came was we spoke about, obviously the first thing that happened was I watched Andrews have a quiet time in the morning. I was like, it revolutioned my life. It's, it's different. Like, I don't know if you used to get angry. I used to get angry a lot driving, and my wife can testify. I'm a bad road rager. Uh, I, I kind of got over taxis because I realized they carry a lot more people than me, myself, in a little car, one person, and he's carrying 20 people that all have to try and get work and get as close as they can. That's why it cuts me off all the time. But after starting to, to just spend time in the morning and pray in the morning, something in me softened. Something changed. And that softening has just started coming out more and more and more in, in the things that I do, the way I, I live my life, and that kind of thing, which brought me to, Grant said you can go on what you felt, and I felt something that I shared with my community a while back. It's called the Bob Challenge. And so they'll obviously, sorry, you're going to hear about it again. But uh, how it started was Lawrence came to me and he said, listen, I've got this, I want to speak to Andrew. I've got this thing to pray for the kids that have been kidnapped around the world. I was like, okay, and I was thinking about the situation. So I said, okay, cool, I'll, I'll chat to him. <coughs> Excuse me. But then I remembered Emma was sick. And I was like, yes, and I don't really want to phone him. And as I said that, I remember God dropped in the Bob Challenge. So the Bob Challenge, I'll quickly, I'm going to go through it quick. That's why it takes, okay, I've got like three minutes left. But anyway, so I said to him, listen, this is, and then I shared about the Bob Challenge with him. So I'm going to tell you what the Bob Challenge is, and it'll all make sense. Because what I want you to do is not just hear me talk about how I prayed or how I am praying. I want to challenge you to, when you hear this thing, that it will challenge you to pray for something other than yourselves or your family in that situation. Okay. So it's, it's from a book called Walking on Water, the, the actual story. So the quick story is when Josh Jen was trying to get the land next to the big building that we call the mothership in, in Sunningdale, uh, three of us did the Bob Challenge to pray for that land every single day with each other. And it took months, but eventually we got it through the council. So that was, that's how I remembered it when Lawrence came to me. So I thought, well, why don't we do that to our community? Let's, let's all pray. So let's go with the story of Bob. So Bob went to his pastor one day and says, um, the scripture says, if I say I can ask for anything in prayer, God will give it to me. And he said, yes, but it's not kind of work that way. So he said, but what do you want to pray for, Bob? So he said, well, I need to pray for something. So I'm going to paraphrase, otherwise it's going to take too long. So he said, I, I want to pray for Africa. Said, God, Bob, that's a bit big, you know, let's, let's go a bit smaller. So he says, oh, okay, maybe Kenya. Okay, Bob, pray for Kenya. So the guy that writes the book says, okay, cool, Bob, you pray for six months. If nothing happens, I'll give you $500. But if something happens, Bob, you give me $500. So Bob prayed, it happened a few times. Then he obviously asked a few things like, Bob, do you know Kenya? Anything about Kenya? No, no, nothing about Kenya. Don't know anybody in Kenya. No, nothing about it. Anyway, one night Bob was at a dinner and he was sitting at a table with a whole bunch of different people and people obviously introducing themselves, I do this, this and this. And one of the ladies said, oh, I work in an orphanage in Kenya. And Bob was like, whoa. And first thing Bob thought was there, seeing wings on his 500 bucks because now something's going to happen. So he starts questioning this lady about everything. She, so she asked him the same questions. What do you know about Kenya? Nothing. Have you been to Kenya? No, never been to Kenya. Uh, do you know anyone? No, I don't know any of that. So anyway, she said, well, why have you got such a heart? So he said, well, actually, a guy's paying me to pray <laughs> for Kenya. And she's like, oh, that's amazing. But do you want to go? And his heart straight away when she said that said all he wanted to do was get on a plane right then and there and come visit this orphanage. 
So short, long story short, Bob gets to Kenya, goes to, <coughs> to the orphanage, and while he's there, he's really, his heart is really torn about the poverty, and, and obviously the, there's a lot of sickness in, in Kenya. So he, on the way back, he decides he's going to write to all the pharmaceutical companies in America because he knows the pharmaceutical companies, they, they throw away a whole bunch of pharmaceuticals at the end of the year. And so he writes to them and says, listen, there's this orphanage in Kenya. I know you guys get rid of your pharmaceuticals. Uh, would you care to just give your, your stuff to, to Kenya? Cheers, Bob. <laughs> a million rands, a million dollars worth of pharmaceuticals rocks up at the orphanage for these kids. So Bob's like, yeah, that's amazing. He's so stoked. And the lady phones him and says, Bob, do you know we got a million dollars worth of pharmaceuticals? And he was like, what? That's incredible. I know. I asked the few guys. She said, Yo, your letters have touched the hearts of these guys and have come and asked us if we would accept it. And there has to be like all these things, but they're so stoked. But we're going to throw a party, Bob. Will you come back to Kenya? So Bob, off he goes. He's so excited. Back to Kenya again. Second time now. So Bob's getting quite afraid with Kenya. Just by praying for Kenya. Remember? Choose a thing to pray for. And uh, at the party, because this is the biggest orphanage in Kenya, the president of Kenya rocks up. And he says to Hey, Bob, I heard you the guy that Please let me, just, do, won't you drive around Kenya with me? I'd love to show you in Nairobi. So off Bob goes, this Bob guy, he just started praying, knows nothing. Now with the president of Kenya driving around Ken Nairobi. And they drive past a, a prison. And Bob's like, what's that? And he says, no, that's a political prison. And he says, well, who's in there? Political prisoners. He says, well, why don't you let them go? And that was lost. Bob gets back to the, U the United States, gets a call. Ha. Is this Bob? Yes, it is. Have you been in Kenya, Bob? Yes, I have. Did you speak to the president of Kenya, Bob? I did. Did you ask him to let go of the political prisoners? He says, yeah, I didn't understand why they had them. He said, well, Bob, we've been trying for 23 years to try and get rid of some of these prisoners. We never get them go. Suddenly, we asked, they sent all the prisoners out of the prison, and, and I asked them how, and he said, well, Bob told us to. <laughs> so Bob was like... Exorbitated. And the, the bottom line is he still gets invited back. So the president of Kenya eventually invites Bob back to come pray because he's going to change his whole cabinet. And he asks Bob to come for there for three days so he can pray for the right people to put into his cabinet with him. And this is one guy that wanted to make a difference just by praying. He didn't know. He said if you ask for things. And I want to challenge us because things have changed in me by just making a morning a priority for me. And out of this... Me, my wife, and my daughter pray every day for the guys that pray for certain things. We pray for Russia every day, pray for Morocco, that's Clive's one, Russia's mine. We pray for Malawi, which is my wife's, because they needed medicine and she felt Malawi. We pray for the hospitals, that's my daughter's. And we also pray for the kidnapped kids, that was Lawrence's. We've been doing that for probably three or four months now. And every day, you can ask Lawrence, he prays for the same thing every day. Him and his son. And we're going to see a change, I believe it. But even if I don't, you know what's changing my heart? I didn't even know Russia before. And I suddenly have a heart for Russia. I look up things about Russia. So what are you going to do? I don't want to just tell you that I, 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 God changed my life because I prayed. I want you to find out what God wants you to pray for. Because if we don't make it a, a thing for ourselves, if we don't put these tasks in place, you're never going to be Bob. You're just going to be slob. Dylan, just tell us, is, is this a true story? It's a true story. True story. Okay, my goodness. It's just an encouragement. It's a real story. It's great. All right, what do you think? Are you ready? Do you want other Rob to go first to break the ice? Actually, Bob, Rob... Why don't, why is it, we'll, we'll let Rob go. It's very close to Bob, and then you can do that different thing. But that is lovely. Dylan, almost called him Bob. <laughs> Thank you. I just I don't want to step on these wires here. Um, so Grant asked me to share just on my kind of my quiet time, my devotional time with the Lord. So it's also kind of a bit of a different thing. Um, but yeah, let me just start off quickly. So I've been safe for a while, you know, and you kind of. You kind of find something that works for you. You have your relationship with the Lord. You, you pray at a certain time or you do certain things in a certain way. And it, and it kind of works for you. But I think over the last, let's say maybe five years or so, it's like the Lord's just kind of been 
been rattling that a bit. Um, and I think maybe in the last five, six months, it's that rattling has become quite like a, it's now not like a, a rattle anymore, it's now like this, this massive shake. And I think we were in intercession, the, the Tuesday morning prayers about three weeks ago or so, and there was just like a, it's like, so I'm a, I'm a chemical engineer, and I want to just indulge you in some chemistry quickly, um, that sometimes stuff happens. So, you know, okay, so you guys, young kids, everyone's maybe done this before, you take salt, and you dissolve it in water, or sugar, and you dissolve it in water, until it stops dissolving. And then you get like the little bits that lie at the bottom, and if you heat up the solution, you can dissolve more, and you can dissolve more, and you can dissolve more. And then at some point, you can actually like just take like a stick or put it in there, and whatever's in solution crystallizes out. Now, that's called precipitating. So about five or six months ago, just a bunch of stuff had been happening, and the Lord had just all of a sudden like precipitated this dissatisfaction and almost a desperation in the way I relate to him, like, like really, like, like the ones, the things that had been working, the former things, had just, they just stopped. The way that I was approaching him, the way that I was talking to him, the way that I was reading my Bible, the way that I was experiencing Christian fellowship, all of those things just, it just, it just kind of stops working. And you kind of get desperate. And the, what it caused me to do is it caused me to start calling out to the Lord, but not calling out to him to act, but to call out to him because of who he is and to start speaking to him and to start engaging with him. So it's very easy to make your relationship with the Lord here where, you, like I say, you find something that works and then you kind of stick with that because it's easy and it's like, you know, you, we're creatures of habit and like a river that flows through the path of least resistance. You want something that works. And the Lord just stopped that. He, by his wisdom, he decided the way that I was, the way that I understood relationship with him, the way that I reached out to him, um, he wasn't, he's like, I want to take you deeper. I want to take you deeper. I want you to, to experience more of me, not in the sense of experiencing it, but I want you to know me deeper. And he's been doing that over the last few months. And it's caused me, like I said, it's caused me to turn to him. It's caused me to look to him and to actually engage with him and also be very vulnerable with him. So there's this thing of where you kind of think that you're okay and you think that, you know, that you're fine. And then you actually look at yourself in the mirror and then you look at like, but this isn't, this isn't what the Lord wants. And it's been so amazing to actually experience God's grace and his mercy in it to see him allow me to see where he sees me and then to say, okay, I want to take you somewhere else now. I want to take you deeper into me. I want to take your relationship with me and I want to make it stronger. And it's, it's, it's been coming for a while, um, but it's just something that as I've allowed the Lord to do that, as I've allowed to let him like almost enjoy me and find me and me find him in the same way. So a lot of my relationship was about seeking him and seeking his will and understanding what does he want from me and trying to please him and trying harder and trying harder and trying harder. And I think Mike Oxley once, him and I prayed when we were in the, in the Kuber Club. And I went home and I just I prayed with him and I said, like this thing is of me relating to the Lord. He wants to change that. And it's like a reformation, like taking the former things and saying those former things are no longer no longer going to work, where they weren't necessarily bad for a season. It's like the Lord's like, those former things are gone. I'm not going to allow those things to work anymore. And, and um, Mike shared, a, he reminded me, we, we prayed through something, and I went home that day, and I went and I sat with the Lord, and he reminded me of that scripture in Psalm 23, verse 5, where it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And there's this thing of like, coming before God and wanting to prepare a table before him. And then there's three things that I noticed. The first thing was that I'm like super scared. When he says he wants to go deep, I'm like, uh. I'm like those Israelites at the foot of the mountain. He says, no, Moses, you go and speak to God. We don't want to speak to him, you go speak to him. And the second thing is, is that I tried so hard to kind of prepare the table that, and then I'm like, oh, so scared. Okay, but what happens if he doesn't pitch? Like when I, I what happens if I come before God and I don't hear him or I don't experience him? And that kind of caused me to withdraw from God. It caused me to actually step away from him, not step away, walk away, but to, to kind of like, I don't really know how to do this thing, so I'm just going to like, you know, like just put it on ice a bit or just not really try too hard to have quiet time. And, and then the third thing the Lord convicted me of a while ago was just in, in the church one afternoon, it was coming before God and actually 
realizing that this whole process, he's wanting to actually show me that he loves me by speaking to me and having me take what he says seriously. So sometimes he would say, I'd ask him, Lord, what do you say to me? He's like, I love you, Robert. And then I'd be like, okay, cool, okay, cool. You know, like, let's, let's go uh, show me something else or do something different. And to actually engage with him, and this is the one thing that I want to leave you guys with, is that there's something of each and every single one of us here that we walk with the Lord in the way that he has ordained his walk with us. And that he is, that scripture says, I think it's in, in Jude, that he is able to keep us. And for us to relate to him and to say, God, how do you want to do this? Not like, you know, just to, but it's a thing of the relational thing, of engaging with him because of who he is and giving him the freedom to actually love us the way that he wants to love us. So for me to say to him, I'm sorry, God, for wanting you to love me the way that I perceive love. But to say to him, how do you want to show me love? How do you want to lavish your love on me and to receive that and not to be like, okay, cool, I want to just brush it off and then that's, that's nice, that's cute, but let's do this. And to actually have the Lord grow that in me as a basis. And I really believe it's something that he wants to do going forward. So this is not like the, yeah, it's finished. This is the, every morning I wake up, I'm like, oh Lord, I'm a bit scared you're not going to be here. And I bring it before him and I share my heart with him. And it's just, there's just something different of it. And I really want to encourage you guys with that, just to speak to him, take your relationship with him. Instead of trying to, to, to make it happen, actually ask him what he wants to do. And yeah. If I, if I do shake, I'm not actually nervous talking in front of people, but I get spirit nervous, and, and then I shake a little bit from the spirit. But yeah, um, I want to read a statement, and then I want to share something on my own journey of prayer and, and what God showed me for, for us. Spending time alone with the Lord in prayer and contemplation is like opening the windows wide open for the sun to shine into the room. The sunlight will bring light to expel the darkness. Um, and when Grant asked me to share around prayer in my own life, I, for me, prayer is a funny thing. It's never been like a prayer session. It's been like my whole life has been a conversation with God. <laughs> you know, I'm an extrovert, and I think sometimes when I get lonely, I start talking to God. <laughs> I just have these feelings of loneliness. I'm like, let's talk this about, to God about it. Um, and the past five years of my life has been hard. It, it has really been challenging. I've had death, I've had loss, I've had health issues, I've had, um, I have almost lost my husband to a stroke, he supernaturally came back, I said goodbye to my sister, I lost dreams, I had pulmonary embolism, I had inject myself with Klexin four months in a row, being pregnant with a third, it's, a, it's been a mess. <laughs> but, but you know what? Um, my strength and my sanity, my surrender was in my prayer time with God, in my conversations. It's great to worship. It's great to get a prophetic word. It's great for someone to pray to you. We always want to run, just, God, give me a prophetic word. And then God said to me, but I am here. I am God. Why don't you talk to me? I'm the source. Um, and that's where my breakthrough came. You know, there's so many of us trusting for breakthrough and things in our lives. You know where it comes? In the quiet room with God. Just talking to him. And... Uh, and then there's a, an aspect of joy that comes with it as well. Um, for me, the conversations, like I said, I would ask God questions, and, and Rob touched on it, and it's, it's very interesting. Like, prayer isn't just um, pouring out your emotions or understanding everything. We sometimes want to pray because God gives me the answers. Why did this happen? Why? Or, you know, an SOS line, like, please just help. It, sometimes it gets there, but you know what? It's actually opening my heart to see how he opens his heart and connecting. Um, and when you ask him questions, there's a, there's a, a prophet, uh, Laura Vosa, she says she started off having coffee with Jesus, and she would ask him, Jesus, what is on your heart today? And the next thing she'll ask him, and Jesus, what are you dreaming about? Imagine when you come then, I started doing it. Like, I would go, God, what do you want me to do today? Beyond all the changing poo nappies and working out social media plans and doing all of this, what do you want me to be fruitful in today? Um, and obviously when I wanted to share this, I wanted to share something about my own journey, but then I asked God, well, what do you want to show us about prayer for the church and me included? And um, I felt like he was saying, we are sometimes hiding behind things, only giving him parts 
that are easy and not wanting to allow his light to shine everywhere in us. Um, and that's what I shared about the sunlight that comes in and expels the darkness. When you pray and you have that conversation with God, it's a chance to open up heaven and, and like press in with him and you see something shift and you see the light come in. And that's what I did. I was prepared in that messy five years of my life in the last time to open it up, lay it all on the table and just say, God, shine your light on my weakness. Shine it on where I'm battling. Shine it on where it's hard. Shine it on my shortcomings. Shine it on my strengths. Shine it on what you want to do. Because in my own strength, I can't. And I feel like that part of wanting him to shine the light on the weak and the hidden areas that's sometimes still in the dark for a lot of us. Sometimes, you know, we hide behind masks and we're not even willing to be real before God. Like, if you're not going to be real before God, where are you going to be real? Like, that's really, he's waiting to engage in a conversation with you. It's not just about sitting for hours and like, you're praying. It's wonderful, those things. But he wants to connect with you. He wants to shift you forward. And then when I, when I felt God specifically say three areas that he came up to me for the word, um, and it felt like the first one he said is, I want to shine my light in three areas in prayer life for all of us in church. The first one being kingdom. Which kingdom are you building in your prayer life? Your own on earth or the heavenly one that will last forever? Like, what are you praying and asking God for? The second one is your worth. What makes you feel worthy? And this has been a hard one for me to feel like not good enough. And God, the breakthrough came through me, like how he showed me, how he viewed me, how he enjoys me being different, how I see myself being different. He showed me my worth. But you're going to pray what you makes you feel worthy. And is what makes you feel worthy your work? I don't know. Is it money? Is it achievements? I, I've Honestly, I've been there. Trust me, I've got a great CV. <laughs> but, but God just pulled it all to the side. And I said, I don't want that. Is it in your Instagram following? It's a real thing. Like, what is your worth? Or is it actually in how he sees you, what he reveals to you in your prayer time, in that conversation? And the last one I felt was love and hurt. And this was an interesting one. Some of us here, most of us, have all been hurt. Whether it be someone that you trusted, maybe someone in the church, maybe even a believer, maybe you even felt hurt by God, like he let you down, what you asked for. And he's saying, if you're clinging to that hurt, I can't actually pour my light to shine and bring healing. I want to love you. And that was part of my prayer time with God, to feel God's love, to feel his healing coming in and shining his light on me. And um, he just gave me this beautiful picture, like when I was seeking him in this time of my prayer. And it's like a door. You know when you have a, a dark room in the house and there's no light on and you, you open up the door and the light shines from the corridor or something in. And he's saying, how open is your door to receive Jesus? in your conversation with him or your prayer time. If you're going to give him this much and you're opening up the door this much, you're only going to get this much of light shining in. But if you're going to open the door wide open, you're going to get the light shining in on everything. And that's where your healing and your breakthrough and your eternity and your forever is going to be. So make your conversations with God worthwhile. The, the, the door is wide open. He's the one standing there for the invite. You just have to come and be real and spend time with him, wherever you are at. So I'm going to read my first statement one more time, and then you can think about it. Spending time alone with Lord in prayer and contemplation is like opening the windows wide open for the sun to shine into the room, and the sunlight will bring light to expel the darkness. And then Daniel 2, verse 22, it says, He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God, of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what, you have asked, what we have asked of you. That is great. Lovely to hear the different voices and to be 
to be taught by the Lord through the church. So just to give a bit of word to this, let's open up the book of Mark again. So we're looking at uh, the book of Mark chapter 3. Just while you get ready, um, had a lovely lunch in Darling today. I think I've been through Darling once before. I think. Yeah, we once before. Uh, Johan, isn't that where your office is? I was looking for it. <laughs> Darling. And I was thinking, how did they come up with the name Darling? Like, who calls the town Darling? <laughs> so, and we actually did a bit of a Google search on on Darling and just the environment and the farmers and lovely place. I'd recommend you go there. Uh, I'm not sure what the restaurant we went to. What is it called, Sweetie? 910 or something, 1910 or... Yeah. We were, we were the only four people there who were not part of a big party. So there's this big party there and they were all together and we were like just four people stuck away. But it was a, a great little experience. Unfortunately, we had a bit of a GPS fight going there. I don't know if you know what a GPS fight is. <laughs> we resolved that it took a while there. I've heard they're quite common. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I don't want to spill the beans too much in church. Eh? <laughs> it needs to be appropriate. All right, let's look at the book of Mark chapter 3. Let's read together. So... Verse 1, this is Jesus again. We, we actually, last week, we, we looked at chapter, chapter 1. And this week, he's entering the synagogue again. This is the New King James Version. And a man was there who had a withered hand. And so they watched him closely. This is the Pharisees. Whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to them, said to the man who had the withered hand, Ah. Uh, Step forward. Can you imagine how he feels about this whole thing? He knows the Pharisees are there. These are big dudes, and the Pharisees are ruling the roost. And uh, they're watching to see, is he going to heal on the Sabbath day? And he calls this man forward. And he said to him, and he said to them, actually, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. And then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Yeah, powerful scene. Let's keep on reading. But then Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. And a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and Jerusalem, and Idumea, and beyond the Jordan, and those from Tyre and Sidon. And a great multitude, when they heard how many things he was doing, came to him. And so he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they should crush him. For he healed many so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. Verse 13, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. And then he appointed the twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Isn't it lovely to read the word of God together? So, quick reminder, last week, three points. So, I'm going to try and be a little bit more systematic for the, 
engineers and the left-brainers, the teachers, all the educated. Three things. If you look at Mark 1, verse 35, he went out and departed to a solitary place, number one. Number two, he withdrew to the sea with his disciples, Mark 3, verse 7. And now we see him going up on the mountain, Mark 3, verse 13. There's rhythm here. He engages with a people, and then he withdraws to pray or finds a place to pray. Just something I want to put out there. Successful people, I think, are often marked by rhythms and cycles. They know what works for them. Everyone's got a rhythm. If we could dissect your life, you'll see there's rhythms in your life. There's patterns that you've developed. And those that do well, and often we, we can't, you know, I think that's why I wanted three people to share. And I think we could have many more. You can glean from Paulette. But you'll find the rhythm in your life is different to his. You can glean from Bob, Bob's story. And it's good, but you're going to find that what God does in you will be unique. And so we learn from each other, but there's rhythms in our lives. And we learn to, we learn to find out what works for us. And Jesus had a rhythm and a cycle that was recognizable and creative. So look at Mark 3 with me. It's not going to be a long preach. Look at Mark 3 with me. Uh, chapter 3, verse 13. He called them, and then it says, those he wanted. Hey, my goodness, is that in the Bible? <laughs> Did Jesus call those that he wanted? It wasn't God like completely fair and upright and had, didn't have a selfish motive at all? It's interesting I'm not saying he has got a self, but it's interesting that it would say that he called them and he called those he wanted. Is there any me that finds it interesting? Okay, let's carry on. <laughs> and they came to him. And then we're seeing appointing apostles. Appointing apostles. Look at this. Firstly, to be with him. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's making a point here. Full stop. And that they might be sent out. So, firstly, to be with him, that they might be with him. Full stop. So, he appointed them to be with him and then to go. Isn't that a lovely order? So, there's a pattern that I'm seeing in the scriptures here. Just to unlock this pattern, let's go with me to Genesis 1 can see it right there. This is very interesting, actually. Uh, I like it. This is, uh, you can open up on Genesis 1 there, mister. Can we, can we fast track this one? So, looking at verse 27. This is in the sixth day. The Bible says, God created man in his own image, and then we see, and he blesses him. And then verse 31 it says that God saw what he had made and he said it was very good. I know we just read that and we don't think it through. <laughs> someone said <laughs> someone said he was well, I heard something, the woman. Um, he made man, male and female, and he looked at them, the scriptures, and said, very good. But can you imagine? I think we, don't, we, we often don't make this relational. Can you imagine God saying to Adam, I'm so pleased with you. Can you imagine him, can you imagine the glee in God's eyes? Can you imagine the enjoyment in him? Do you know what the original word for blessing actually means? It means to come down and to speak well of with praise. So God came near to Adam and Eve and spoke well of them with praise. My goodness. This is powerful. Imagine them hearing the voice of God and being filled with God's perspective. 
Can you imagine seeing, looking up at God, and you bring pleasure to Him? Think about that for a moment. That's very powerful. Not in my notes, but let's just go here quickly. Do you remember bringing joy to your parents? Some of you don't have a memory of that. Okay? But I think it's a wonderful thing, not only for the parent, but for the child to know that something in who they are evokes pleasure in the parent. Both are getting, both are being rewarded. And I, and I think God gives us grandparents. Um, I hope I be careful here now because I'm now uncharted. But, you know, grandparents aren't necessarily forming the child. And you'll often find that grandparents have a real slant. Well, so I think, and I've seen, but they have a slant of real encouragement, real praise. This is something of an adoration that comes through grandparents. And they can, they can and, and, and children come alive in that praise. I think being a parent, it's like, the, especially a father, the line between encouragement and forming and you disciplining, it it's can be often be difficult for the child to feel like I'm celebrated. But there is something that we need to celebrate in each other. And it is a very powerful thing to be celebrated and to be enjoyed. And we see this right in the Scripture. So bringing this in for, how is this applicable to what we're speaking about right now? Um, well, how is it applicable? I think it's applicable because the first thing that Adam did was be with God. So we know that God worked on the sixth day. What happened the seventh day? God rested. Why? Well, no one really has answered that question. No one really goes too deep in that one. But I wonder, why did God, why did God start off with that? must have been very important. It's like the first page in the Bible. And I think one of the reasons is, is that everything that Adam and Eve would become and would do and who they are is coming out of I'm with him. That's one of the reasons why. It wasn't to rest. They hadn't worked it. They, they didn't need to rest. Uh, there's a good principle there of firstly God wanted them. And that's, that's it. we can just roll over. I think what Rob said is very important. We, we quickly roll over the, the love of God. But actually, God wanted Adam, and God wanted Eve. I'm going to go a little bit further, but would you ponder on what are the implications for you that God actually enjoys you and finds pleasure with you? What are the implications for you? What are the implications of, of, of opening up your heart to a God that loves you? It's quite big. So in the same vein, if I take what Mike Davis preached two or three weeks ago, we saw uh, the Israelites when I was getting a little bit you know, fed up with this whole story of Moses because he's fasting 40 days and he's up on the mountain. And like, you know, we've got things to do and we've got places to go and we don't know where to go. And we need some help here. So let's find Aaron. And, and they said to Aaron, listen, yeah, bud, can you pull something together for us? We need a God, a God that's present. And you know the whole story. They, they put the earrings in there and you heard how the calf suddenly sprang out the fire and, and there was real trouble when God saw it from heaven. Moses, I don't know, Moses must have been really brave because I, mean, it's, I don't know how many millions of people or 600,000, I think, men. And he comes down angry. Imagine, he must have been quite a man to do that. Eh? There's like a whole lot of men down there and you've been away for 40 days leaving them by themselves and now you're coming down angry. It's like, yo, here's a... He was a proper man. Um, so he comes down the mountain, and, and then they ask, they ask, well, you know, after this, this debauchery that's been going down then and all the chaos, uh, Moses says, who is on the Lord's side? And men respond. And we heard from Mike that the Levites were born out of that. 
And the word he uses, they were holy unto the Lord. And what did it mean? What does holiness mean in this context? They were set apart. They were wholly set apart for a purpose. And it's interesting, the Levites were firstly for God. To minister to the Lord and then to minister to the people. See the pattern again. Now let's go back to the book of Mark. And we see there the pattern. He called those he wanted. So for the left-brainers, ending with three points. In prayer. So now I'm landing this thing with prayer. God calls us to himself through prayer, number one. I think that's what Paulette really epitomized in what she said. God calls us to himself through prayer. Prayer is not the goal. The goal is coming to God himself. And it doesn't matter who you are and what you're like. Can you imagine you coming into God's presence and you're coming into the presence of someone that is pleased with you? Someone who made you. And someone who's called you. It says that he called those he wanted. He's called us to come into prayer. Number one. Number two. In prayer, we recognize our purpose. That's interesting, huh? Some of the men are going, man. It's like, come on, Grant. Uh, is this something about prayer that we recognize something of why we're here. We were made by His pleasure to bring Him pleasure. Ephesians 1 verse 3, if you want a scripture for it. So we're made by His pleasure and for His pleasure. The church fathers concluded this. They said the chief end of man is this, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So the fathers of the church through the ages summarized everything and said this. The purpose, Nathan, of your life is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's quite big. That's number two. Number three. In prayer, we learn to walk with God. We learn to walk with Him. In face-to-face -face prayer, and I'm not just talking about behind the closed door. I'm talking about learning how to come and un be unveiled before God and then, and then develop a sense of knowing how to walk with Him. The Scripture says um, that Adam and Eve could hear the sound of God walking in the garden. If you're going to read the story. You all know that, huh? I'm going to explain so there's the, they, they, they learned this, they, they had the sound of God. Uh, and we also learn, <laughs> we also learn to, to receive His pleasure. Before I finish this last little point, I picked up with the youth, is that if they see me as quite um, scary, they won't enjoy me. They might respect me, not enjoy me. But as soon as they see me enjoying them, guess what happens? They start enjoying me. And so perspective is very powerful. And there's something about a pleasure in God that we only, only receive from God that's incredibly powerful and life-changing. And Jesus mentioned it in in John 15, he said, my joy would be in you. But remember that famous song, a song by um, Mill Haggart. Um, he walks with me and he talks to me and he tells me I'm his own and the joy we share as we tarry there. I don't know if you wrote the song or just sung the song, but, but that song's become famous because it's somehow just it, 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 it somehow expresses something of the joy of learning how to talk to Him and learning how to walk with Him. 
So God calls us to himself through prayer. In prayer, we recognize our greater purpose. That's enjoying God and glorifying God. And in prayer, we learn to walk with Him. Very simple. What's interesting for the men, because I'm trying to find the men's hearts all the time, I uh, had a prayer time last night. But my prayer time is, I look at Jesus and I go, yeah, He liked the sea, went up on the mountains, early morning. I said, what do I feel like today, God? What would you like to do? You know, is there anything you'd like to do? So I thought I'm going to take the Jack Russell for a walk. And go around this, I live in an estate, go around the estate. That is my prayer time. So you can be creative. That's, you know I mean, it's, it's hard to go and sit somewhere on your knees. I mean, some guy, I've heard uh, AJ say that he prays on his knees. That's discipline. I need a little bit more creativity to keep my mind focused. Um, but what's interesting was, is the sense of, so even what I'm doing now actually came out of that time. So it's, it's, there was something of God's overflow, and why am I speaking to the men? Is I saw a business idea. So here I'm praying. I've got the Jack Russell looking for snakes in the grass and doing all sorts of things. I was naughty. I took him off the leash just for a short while. <laughs> in spite of there being spring bucks nearby, he's got a little bit of a, a leaning for the spring bucks. Um, and here I'm... Um, and I'm, I'm not like, you know, I'm just looking. I'm, I'm being caught up with the, the beauty of, of the sky and, and the moon and just what God's made. And you can, you can learn to be caught up by what God's made. You, you learn to sense God's presence. and you, Even the wind becomes something God's made. You, you experience God even through what He's made. And there I saw an idea. I went, yeah, God, I think that's going to, that's going to happen. And so prayer for me is not a waste of time. It's one of the most creative works that I do. It's one of the most powerful things I've engaged in through my life. And let me tell you what I think our battle is, especially as men, is we, we are so under pressure, and women actually. Um, and I think of how women work and look after children. But there's a demonic onslaught against the value of prayer. What demonic spirits want you to believe is that prayer is actually a waste of time. And that this thing that we're talking about is actually just for the, the weird people. <laughs> for, for those that need to pray. I mean, I just carry on with my life. But I want to say to you that there's a key for you, for your life. And there's a... a, a, a the beauty of discovering God and finding out what you're meant to do and who you're meant to become. And so there's such a powerful thing in prayer. I know that right now I'm a bit afraid. What I mean by that is I'm a little bit pressurized. I've got too many things coming from left and right. And what it does to me is I get drunk with stress. Who, who, who relates to that? It's just like you, you feel like, man, I'm just... It's like, uh, it's, it's like when, you, when, you, when you get quiet, it's like... The battery goes dead. It's like, you know, the light's on, but nobody's home. It feels that way when you... So if you are in that place with, with God as well, I find that with God. If I'm too stressed, it's like I'm just going... Ugh. And there's just nothing. And it takes, it takes the work of the Spirit to bring me into a place where I can engage with the Lord. Men, it's, it's imperative that we learn to walk with God, in, with God in the garden. It's imperative that the beauty of God captures us. It's imperative that you, that you get filled with a joy that's even greater than surfing, greater than any earthly pleasure. It's vital. I'll land. I was, uh, I was uh, with Martin in a, in a in a meeting a couple of weeks ago, and he, and he did a stat. I, I'm hoping the stat's correct because I'm quoting him. But he said that most men at 32 have lost their vision for life, have lost their why. They, they're not, they, they haven't got like, yes, I want to do this thing. Because life is disappointing. Life's not easy. Prayer is an incredible weapon to stay creative. 
prayer's incredible, rejuvenating, powerful reality. Don't waste your life. Learn how to pray. You, you get taught by the Spirit of God how to pray. I'm so thankful that God taught me how to pray. And I love that. I love what Paulette said, that we learn not only pray about our own lives. God doesn't mind you praying about your own life. Because it says, if you're anxious about something, you keep on praying anything through, and you pray it through until my peace comes on you, and my peace will guard your heart, or your heart and your mind in Christ, uh, and you will then know which way to go. Some things need to be prayed through. So God's interested in your personal life. doesn't despise the little, little things and sometimes what you think are not worthwhile things to pray about. But there's even more exciting prayers. God, is there something that you are not telling me that you want to tell me? Is there something that we need to discuss? Uh, I'm planning the next season of my life. What do you want to say to me? A very dangerous prayer I've prayed is, Father, how do you feel about me? <laughs> dangerous prayer. God, how are you feeling about me? And then, to <laughs> and then to actually wait and let God speak to you and take time. You might have to come back to that a few times. What do you want to shift in me, as Rob's been saying? How do you want me to relate to you in such a way that you are leading this relationship? I remember once coming to God and I thought I was being really humble by confessing my sins and I was trying to pull some sins out the bag. You know when you just, you're just feeling chacha and now you, now you want to you wanna find some sin to confess to God. You know, you're thinking like you're being, being the, I, I'm telling you, I heard the voice of God. He said, stop doing that. Like God spoke to me. He said, stop doing that. And I, it wasn't just like my conscience. It's like God, God himself said to me, stop doing that. My forgiveness is yours. You need to walk in it. It's like I was trying to like dig some things out of my past and yeah, this sin. And it's amazing how sometimes we think we're relating to God, but we're actually just coming with our own stuff. And we actually, God wants a relationship with you, and He'll even lead the relationship. Okay, push pause. Let's stand together.